Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. Welcome into College Gridiron, WFUV Sports College Football Podcast. I'm Merrick Rhodes, joined by Will Jing, and we got a lot to talk about this week. We're going to do a little recap of some of the games in Week 10, a little upset in Bedlam, Alabama beating LSU, and then wrapping it up with Washington over USC. We're going to talk a little bit about the college football playoff rankings as we have another Another wave of rankings come out this week, and we got a little bit more on the Michigan sign-stealing scandal that I feel like has been going on for for almost a month at this point. And then we're going to get into, of course, a Week 11 preview. we got some big games coming up this weekend in the Big Ten, out there in the Pac-12, and also in the SEC, so we're going to spread it around a little bit with our previews. But before we get into any of that, how are you doing today, Will? I'm doing really good. I'm really excited. Um, I haven't been ever probably this much into what's going on in college football so i'm really excited it's getting to the point where i'm watching enough where i'm just like not just of college football but of everything where i'm just like okay i need to dial it down because there's things i need to get done (laughs) exactly it's like got some papers to do but then also at the same time we got we got michigan penn state so kind of kind of got to balance it out but before we get into next week let's start off by talking about the last matchup in Bedlam for at least the time being with, with obviously Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, we had number 22 Oklahoma State upsetting number 9 Oklahoma in Bedlam, like I mentioned. Final score 27-24 on the Oklahoma State side. Quarterback Allen Bowman, 28 for 42, 334 yards. Ollie Gordon on the ground, 137 yards, two touchdowns. He was an X factor for that offense on the Oklahoma side. Dylan Gabriel, kind of a kind of a middling day, 344 yards, a touchdown, but also a pick. They were pretty successful on the ground as well. But what do you think this game means for? I feel like we'll start out with Oklahoma because they were the higher ranked team in this game. What do you think this game means for Oklahoma moving forward? I think it shows that they're. It wasn't a blowout win. It was very close, right? 24-27 was, was the final score. Um, they're not a bad team, but it was just, at the end of the day, the turnovers, I think, that caught up with them in the end, especially. I think they had a, a fumble in, in, like, the last few minutes. So that is, like, the key takeaway for them. It, like, they beat Texas before. I think that alone goes to show that, you know, they're a solid football team. Um, you know, they only lost by five to Kansas, the number 19 team. So... I mean, obviously they're they're higher higher ranked than Kansas, but I just think that it, it goes to show that they can definitely bounce back. I mean, the, the rest of the schedule is pretty easy. It's West Virginia, BYU, and TCU. None of them are ranked, um, so they should definitely win at least two, if not all three, of those games. I just think that they need to be careful with the with the football because this was definitely a winnable game for them. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really brutal for Oklahoma because that win against Texas kind of kind of gives you hope that you could potentially jump into a college football playoff if you can finish the season at one loss and have have Texas or one of those teams ahead of you or one of the teams in the playoff get a loss and you have that win against Texas to help you but but I mean back-to-back losses now against Kansas and 
Oklahoma State sets the ceiling for Oklahoma really at, at like a New Year's Day Bowl at best. I think I don't think they really have any college football playoff hopes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that this this game kind of arose a question in my mind that I, I want to hear you about, or hear your thoughts about, I should say. Um, I think obviously Texas is the clear cut best team in the Big Twelve, but but there's a couple teams that have shown some fight and are now and now ranked in the top twenty five, four top twenty five teams. So so. Who would you say is the biggest threat for Texas to win the Big 12 championship? Obviously, you got Oklahoma State at 15, Kansas at 16, Oklahoma at 17, and obviously Kansas State at 25. So who do you think, out of those or someone else in the Big 12, who do you think is the biggest threat to Texas this year? I think that Oklahoma would be the biggest threat if um, they could get that far. I just don't think that they will get that far. Um, you know, being that they haven't had a, the best stretch after their win against Texas, um, you know, obviously, just because they had that winner under, under their their belt, if they did get there, I think um, they would be the biggest threat. So I think right now it's I don't think anyone really can beat Texas because I just think that they're that good right now. But I think I mean they beat Kansas by a lot earlier this season. So um, I mean I don't I don't think it's them either. Kansas State was a close game this week, so. Um, and they haven't played Oklahoma State, I believe, right? So, um, wow, that that's tough. I mean, I would Oklahoma State's on a five game winning streak. I, I would have to say them. I mean, uh, they're both five and one in the conference. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma, the team that beat Texas. So I would say, if there was a team, it would be Oklahoma State. Um, but just given how good Texas is, I mean, you know, eight and one overall. Um, they, I I can't see I can't see them losing. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I, I don't think anybody really is going to pose a true threat to Texas in, in this Big 12 championship race. I think it's going to be the most interesting conference championship, I think, aside from obviously the Pac-12 where there's so many teams that are so good. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out and who ends up playing who obviously we both assume to be there in the championship, Texas. Because like you said, last week Kansas State played Texas very well in a, in a three-point loss. I mean, Kansas had some some momentum going and now has a win against Oklahoma. Oklahoma State like you said is on a winning streak and they beat Oklahoma. So I think I think really when you look at it I I feel like Oklahoma obviously is the only team that knocked off Texas, but they're they're kind of on a downward spiral now with two straight losses. So I feel like there's an argument that could be made that they're they're kind of the worst competition for Texas because if this spiral continues, I mean they're 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 not going to be prepped for the for the conference tournament at all. Um but yeah, so the final Bedlam matchup goes to the Cowboys. The final is their twentieth win all time over the Sooners. I mean, the final, the final all time rankings don't don't look as nice with ninety one wins on the Oklahoma side of things. But but with that being said, I think we can move on to to the big SEC matchup last week that I think we were all super excited to see with with Alabama taking on LSU. Alabama obviously coming away with the forty two to twenty eight victory. Jalen Milrow. 15 for 23, 219, slow day, you know. But he had 20 rushes for 155 yards and four touchdowns. That's 374 total yards and four touchdown touchdowns. Jace McClellan was good on the ground, 63 yards and a touchdown as well. On the LSU side, Jaden Daniels, pretty good day himself. 219 yards, two touchdowns, had a pick, but also had a 163 yards on the ground and a touchdown as well. 
So what is your biggest takeaway from this game? I feel like there was a lot going into it. I mean, this was kind of LSU's way to to fight and claw their way to the top of the rankings as a two-loss team coming in, obviously now walking away with three losses. And it was a really big game for Alabama to to show who they are and, and get a and get a big win. Obviously, they lost earlier in the year to Texas, but but since then has been rolling and has been the Alabama we've expected. And Jalen Milrose really hitting his stride. So, so what do you think the biggest storyline coming out of this game is? I think there's one for each team. I think LSU, the biggest story for them is they're very poor defensively against ranked teams. Um, they allowed, I think, 39 against Missouri is the um, the least that, that somebody has scored on them, uh, a ranked opponent has scored. Obviously, Alabama, 42. Um, Ole Miss had 55. Uh, Florida State earlier this year had 45. So, um and then I think in this game, yeah, in this game, LSU's defense allowed 11 out of 14 third, third down conversions to um, Alabama. So I think that that's the one area where they need to really step up. I think, you know, 28 points in a game is not bad. Um, I think maybe for the reputation LSU has, it's a little bit underwhelming, especially because college football is always so high scoring, you know, especially compared to the NFL. Um but I think, you know, the defensive side is where LSU needs to work on. And then I think for Alabama, it's just Jalen freaking Milrow. I mean, yeah. Um, Passing-wise, he was, he was okay. But I think, you know, 15 uh, for 23, 219 passing yards. But 155 rushing yards on 20 attempts for a QB and then four rushing touchdowns is, like, unheard Insane. of. That could have – four rushing touchdowns. So he rushed for the same amount of points that LSU scored the whole game. Exactly. So I think that that's, you know – the the big takeaway for Alabama, their offensive line really performed in this game, and they didn't look bad. They had uh they had a tie at twenty eight to twenty eight, and then when they uh scored a touchdown to go up thirty five twenty eight, they just never looked back. Yeah, no, and I think I think you hit a really good point with the LSU defense because because this LSU offense is very good. I mean, I mean, you have a a Heisman candidate coming into the year. I I don't know exactly where he stands now. He, I don't see him in the race in the in the standings I'm looking at, but definitely a good quarterback in Jaden Daniels and one of the best receivers in college football in Malik Neighbors who had a good day this t- uh, against Alabama with 171 yards and a touchdown, but he's got he's got 1100 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns on the year and Jaden Daniels has has um 33 total touchdowns and over 3,400 yards. I mean, this offense is is a good offense, and I mean, it's just disappointing when you don't have the defense to back it up. Because I mean, even in even in the loss, I mean, the the week zero loss to to Florida State, they didn't score a ton. But I mean, their loss to Ole Miss, they scored 49 points in a loss, and obviously they didn't they didn't score enough in the in the Bama game. But but when you have a defense that that can't really cut you any slack, I mean, all these games they're they're letting up points against teams they should not they should not let up points to. Obviously, a 34-31 victory earlier in the year against Arkansas is an example of that. But I think that's that's a really important point you hit because of how good this LSU offense is. I think it's a top five offense in college football. But on the Alabama side, you're 100 percent correct. Jalen Milrow, I feel like has totally hushed out the doubters in the I mean obviously early in the year there was a lot of doubts about him especially following the Texas game and he obviously got benched for that uh, I believe it was UAB game but he reminds me a lot of of what Jalen Hurts was in his early time at at um Alabama where he wasn't really necessarily a huge threat to pass for like a a 300 plus yard game like we see some of these guys doing in college I mean that's just not really who he is right now but I'm not saying he can't become that but he's really the guy that 
that's going to threaten to score four touchdowns on the ground and run for 155 yards as a quarterback, which is extremely valuable. And Nick Saban has made work before and is currently making work again. Alabama sitting at number eight. I think think they're going to be a team we're going to have to talk about a little bit when we talk about the college football playoff rankings because I think... I think Alabama the rest of the way has an interesting path to a potential college football playoff uh, appearance, but but I think we we touched a lot of good topics in that uh, on that game. Uh, obviously Alabama avenging the loss from last year to LSU, but moving along we're gonna move out west to the Pac-12, which has been such an exciting conference this year, and we have Washington beating USC by a score of 52 to 42. Pretty pretty great game. I don't know if you were watching. I, I was able to catch catch the the later half of this game. Uh, Michael Penix, twenty two for thirty, two hundred fifty six yards, two touchdowns. Did throw a pick, but also ran a touchdown in. Dylan Johnson, Washington running back, twenty six carries, two hundred and fifty six yards and four touchdowns. I mean that's an insane day. Romo Dunze, of course, the top receiver there, had eighty two receiving yards, and Jalen Polk. With a touchdown, Caleb Williams had a great day. He had 312 yards, three touchdowns, as well as a rushing touchdown. Austin Jones had a good day on the ground. I think that I think this is about how I thought this game was going to go, and I think that I don't know about you. I, I could be off base by saying this, but I, I don't think I was very surprised by this game. I was kind of impressed, if anything, by USC bring, put, posing so much competition to to such a high powered Washington team. So I think. I think this win says more for for Washington and their ability to just put up points and and win games that are that are going to be high scoring offensive battles and and I think they prove that that they're they are deserving of that number five spot that they're in and I think they're just on the outside looking in in this playoff. I, I'm interested to hear what you thought about this game and and kind of kind of how both sides are looking afterwards. I think Caleb Williams, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, played really well. It's just unfortunate that he might be the best. Uh, quarterback in college football but I just don't think his his supporting cast is really there um and that that's what's kind of holding USC back at the end of the day um and then as far as Washington goes I mean they're really good they have uh a couple of tough teams left on their schedule Utah this coming week and then um they have Oregon State the next week that's 13 the number 13 and number 12 ranked team so um it's definitely not going to be an easy path but right now I do expect them to win I, I want to say at least two. I, I don't know if they'll maybe drop one of those last three games. Uh, they did have a, a close game against Oregon. That was a three-point difference earlier this season. Um, they beat Arizona State by only eight. So um, they, there have been some close games. I could see them maybe dropping one of them. But um, this team is really on fire. And I don't think, like, it's not a team you usually see in the top five in, in college football. But they're they're playing really well. And, um I'm really impressed. Like like you said, I mean, uh, also they had their kick returner. His name is Daniel Ngata, and he uh, he had 112 yards and five returns. So just people stepping up like that, um, you know, him and Dylan Johnson and uh, and Michael Penix Jr., I think that, you know, as a whole um, really makes them a really good team. Yeah, I mean, I think, you, like you said, I mean, Washington isn't necessarily who you're expecting to be the number five team in the nation, but when – when you have an offense like they have where you have a Heisman, I mean, he's currently leading the Heisman rankings right now in Michael Penix Jr., and you have wide receivers who are going to be stars on the NFL re- on the NFL level in Odunze and, and Polk, I think that it's, it's a recipe for a great college football team. 
And I mean, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because I, I know I know it was a very viral moment on Twitter, and I, I I've, I've seen a lot of mixed feelings about it. But but I don't know if you saw the whole Caleb Williams with his family after the game. He was he was obviously very emotional after the loss. I just wanted to see like how you how you thought about that because I saw a lot of people kind of having differing views. I think it, I think it's a good thing. I think. He's a guy who everybody expected to be the number one overall pick, the best quarterback, lead this USC team back to the college football playoff. And I think that was a lot of expectations for, for a team that might not be built for that, but obviously he, him being such a good quarterback. So so I personally, I, I think it's a good thing that he's shown some emotion, obviously a rough year for him, but I, I'm interested to see how you think, how you thought about, about that moment after the game. I think that... It- it's absolutely fine. I don't. I don't really know what the the big deal is about it that everybody's making. I, I think, think it's really just because of kind of kind of some of the antics of Caleb Williams between like the f- the f- the fingernail paint and kind of he's just very charismatic. And I think that some people when when you have a charismatic athlete, a lot of people will like to see them in moments like this where they like show a moment of weakness. But I I don't think it even was that. I think it's just emotion of of taking a tough loss. But I, I mean, think that's really where the criticism comes from. I think, I mean, I, I don't know how many people are going to be listening to this. I, I, this might get taken the wrong way, and if if it does, then so be it. I think people really need to shut up because it's, you know, it, you're not on that. You're not on his level. You're not a college football quarterback. You don't know what the man goes through, and if the man like just has a feels some type of way, like. Let let him express it. If he doesn't, then you sh- you know you shouldn't criticize him for not doing it. Like just let him be. Like why does everybody feel like they gotta have like an opinion on everything? Like you don't gotta have an an opinion on everything. Like this this dude is miles above you know where uh where most of his critics are in his life. People really ha- like, and I get it. Like people like it's it's just fans, but at the same time, it's like you have like zero credibility so stop talking yeah i agree i mean i think i think it's just natural when when there's a big prime time game like this and a moment like that happens that it's gonna blow up on social media but i totally agree with you i think i think leave him be he's gonna be the first overall pick regardless of of if he's crying or not with his family but but i think on the other side i think we have to talk about michael Penix, and i'm interested to see where you would rank him among the college football quarterbacks obviously caleb williams is far and away in many people's eyes, the best quarterback in this class. I think it's interesting to see where he ranks among guys like Bo Nix and obviously Sam Hartman, who who struggled obviously with the loss against Clemson and everything like that, and like Shadur Sanders, those guys. I'm interested to see, do you think he's number two or do you think there are guys ahead of him? Uh, I, mean, I think Caleb Williams is a better QB, so that's somebody that's ahead of him. Uh, if you want to talk about who's the best QB in college football, um it's hard to say honestly like other than Caleb Williams I think Caleb Williams if you watch him play um I think he's definitely number one um just all around uh skill wise I think he has he has the best skill set but in terms of everybody else nobody I think is as consistently good as Caleb Williams I think there's a lot of great players um you know uh Bo Nix Dylan Gabriel uh Quinny Awards for for Texas um those are all you know just names that are that are great QBs but I don't think there's somebody that's that's far and away better. So I think it's kind of like something where Caleb Williams to me is like definitive number one. And then in terms of everybody else, it's just like, let's see where the next, uh, the next few games in the playoffs, like let's see where that shows they are. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a very interesting year for quarterbacks. Cause I think 
whenever you come into a year where it's where it's there's one guy above the rest, it's kind of it's kind of that's kind of the consensus it ends up being. But it's always interesting to see kind of how the rest of it shapes out because when there's so much focus up top, some of the guys can get can get unnoticed. And I think I think it's kind of not happening this year with with Penix. I think he's kind of risen above that. I think he's gotten some some notability from the media. But I I think everybody kind of still agrees where that Caleb Williams is the top of the pack. Speaking of the top of the pack, I think we can move along and start talking about the college football playoff rankings because they started coming out, and obviously it's still very early, but it's always interesting to see kind of how they shape out in, in terms of the committee's eyes because obviously the AP poll still has Georgia as number one, but the playoff rankings has Ohio State at number one. So so just starting it out, I think we got to – take a look at who's in we got we got Ohio State at one Georgia at two Michigan at three Florida State at four and then Washington and Oregon just outside at five and six I'm interested to see I think the first question I'm going to ask you is is out of the teams in the in the four right now so you had to pick one to drop out who would you pick out of the four teams Ohio State Georgia Michigan and Florida State that's hard they're all really uh really good teams uh trying to see what 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 florida state's been been doing uh i haven't been keeping as close of an eye on them as i had the other few teams i mean they they look like they've been doing pretty pretty good so i mean and honestly i'm I'm looking at the way they've been playing so far it doesn't really look like they've had a they've had really a flaw all season although the only catch is that the only ranked team they played all season so far is LSU, and uh, they don't they don't have any other ranked opponents on their schedule. They so, they they did beat Duke when they were ranked 16th. Oh okay, all right. Um, they're not ranked anymore, but yes, they did, they did win that by 18. Um, wow, like it's always hard when you have a team that's just got an easy schedule and they're blowing teams out, and you just don't know how good they are because yeah. they don't have a real test. I mean, I mean, LSU was like their one real test, but that's like again one time. It's not in week zero too. So that was that was in August. I'd like to have at least a sample size of two, if possible. Um, I think <laughs> this is so hard. Michigan. Some people have Michigan as number one. Uh, but then you have the scandal that's going on. It's hard to say, but I think if I had to pick one, I'm going to say. Wow, I, th- I think it has to be Florida State, and not because they're number four, but just because they haven't been tested in the way that the others have. I think the others have been tested more by um, better uh, better competition. I mean, I, it was I think Ohio State and Michigan are the two that are going to be definitely like it, not dropping. If I had to pick one, Georgia's had a couple of bumps in the road, so I think although you know the AP poll has them at number one, actually, if it wasn't Florida State, I would say that it would be Georgia that falls out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you want to talk about about opponents and lack thereof. Michigan, zero ranked opponents this year. That's true. And they have a schedule remaining that includes number ten Penn State and Ohio State. Obviously, I obviously, I honestly disagree with the Florida State take. I think if you had to give me one of these four teams to pick to be a lock to make the college football playoffs, my pick is Florida State. Because they have a quarterback in Jordan Travis, who, which plays a factor. You obviously don't want to send a team that's that's like 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 Navy, where they where they run the ball a ton. Because that's not that's not going to be very important. They have two top twenty-five wins, and their remaining schedule is Miami, North Alabama, and Florida. 
I don't think they're losing a game, and they're going to finish the season undefeated, and they're going to probably end up winning the ACC because there really isn't a ton of competition. And I think that that's going to secure their spot. Wait, hold on. I, I thought you meant... I thought when you said fall out, I thought you meant lo- like fall out of the playoffs in the playoffs, like they'll lose first. Oh no no no! I meant I meant like in the playoff like rankings. Oh, in the rankings. Yeah. Okay, we're talking a different story then. <laughs> okay, then I need to change my answer because I don't think that they're gonna drop out because they have such an easy schedule. Yeah. I think then if you look at if you look at uh the the four teams, I would say that the team that's gonna drop is Michigan. If yeah, if there I- was one, just because. The whole scandal that's going on, yeah. you don't know what's going on with with that, and they have a tough schedule ahead. So I think that I think we'll get into the scandal in a minute, obviously. But I think if Michigan takes a loss, they're gonna they're gonna be out. I think if Michigan takes a loss, the committee's gonna see that and take 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 the opportunity to pounce on that that whole scandal. And obviously, a lot of people are talking about if they win the national championship, it shouldn't count, and like Harbaugh should be fired and this and that. So the the committee would probably rather just avoid that and not have them in the playoff. So I think there's a lot riding against Michigan, but I think schedule wise. I think Georgia. I think Georgia's got the toughest road because I mentioned before Alabama potentially having a way to sneak in, and that's because Georgia's remaining schedule is 9 Ole Miss this week, number 13 Tennessee the following week on the road, and then obviously Georgia Tech to finish it off, but then you have the SEC Championship where you could see Georgia versus Alabama, and if both of those teams come into that game with one loss and Alabama wins it, which of those teams do you think is going to make the playoffs? And that's that's why I think Georgia has a tough road to to the playoff, and I think they can afford one loss, but they can't afford a second loss in the SEC championship. So that's that's who I think has the toughest road, because I think Alabama is hungry. I think they're on a roll since that Texas loss all the way back. The rest of the way, they got Kentucky, Chattanooga, and Auburn. Those are easy games for them to roll through. And if they can run through the SEC tournament and beat Georgia, it's going to be interesting to see how the committee committee looks at that one, the the head to head between those two. Yes, but also, I don't see them. the The problem with that is I don't see Georgia losing. Yeah, right, and that's losing. that's the whole thing. And if they, especially if they beat Ole Miss this week, if they beat Ole Miss, they're 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 pretty safe. I think even if they take a loss in the the SEC tournament, um, I think the the difference between them and Michigan is Michigan could drop either Penn State or Ohio State. I don't think they're losing this week. I do think Ohio State's gonna going to capitalize and beat them and then i think that when it comes time for the big 10 tournament they're gonna they you don't know who they're gonna end up playing there so they they might face like they might face ohio state again uh they could play penn state again i mean i don't know exactly because not nothing's set in stone yet but i think that especially with the scandal you know coming in i think that poses much more danger for them than I would say because I could definitely see Georgia losing one one game this season, but I think that Michigan's most likely going to lose two. Yeah, you obviously also got Washington undefeated right outside there. So if you take a loss, they could jump you if they remain undefeated. But I think I think we should talk about the scandal because you you were telling me a little bit about about this new information that that has arisen or surrounding the Michigan scandal. So 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 I, I read a little bit about it and, and but I I want you since you were the one who pointed it out to me why don't you tell the people about about the new information about Michigan scandal so obviously there's let's move the like let's get out the elephant in the room which is that we still don't there's a lot that's still a mystery we don't know who exactly was involved we don't know how involved Jim Harbaugh was we don't know what players were involved in this we don't we don't know too much other than the fact that 
Connor Stallions, their former employee, was most likely involved, but we just really don't know who else. Um, but the more recent news is that now people are on Michigan's side. I, again, I, th- I think the sources are for this are um, anonymous. The news sources, I'm getting this from ESPN, but the person who said this I think is anonymous. Um, they're claiming that Ohio State, Rutgers, and Purdue were – uh, accused of st- stealing signs last se- last season, they stole Michigan signs, and um, the former two, so I- Ohio State and Rutgers, sent those signs to uh, Purdue for their Big Ten championship game against Michigan, and then OSU was apparently the team that sent the offensive signals for Michigan, and Rutgers sent the defensive signals. Um, we don't ex- again, nothing is set in stone. I think we'll probably hear some kind of punishment or non-punishment or whatever comes out in the next few days um but i think that this is something that it's obviously with this new news it's um an investigation that's still uh that still needs some attention needs some uh looking through because i don't, like we, we don't know exactly what's going on and especially you know when you're when you're stealing signs i mean the a recent cheating scandal obviously was the astros in, in baseball and like you remember how long that took and like the, the, they were getting away with it for years. And then it took the MLB investigating for like the whole off season to finally decide on no punishment. So um, it, it, what I'm hearing is that we could hear something within the next few days, but it could be longer than that. Yeah. This whole thing has, has led to so many different, so many different things I've heard. And I, that's why everything I hear, I always am like, let me wait till let me wait till this is confirmed because with the whole Michigan thing, I I've heard some things about how like the investigator is the private investigating firm of Ohio State coach Ryan Day's brother, oh and like all this all this stuff, but but it will be interesting to hear because obviously you can't come at Michigan as hard as everybody has for this whole scandal and then have it come out that the exact opposite was happening to Michigan and not go after those schools. But I think with that. That transitions us nicely into to our, our Week 11 slate where we're going to be talking about Michigan's matchup this week, obviously. Number three, Michigan going to Happy Valley to take on number 10, Penn State. It's the first top 10 matchup in Happy Valley since 2018. And it's going to be interesting because both teams both teams have a good defense. They um, Michigan obviously is undefeated. Penn State taking a loss to Ohio State, but but Michigan or Penn State rather had a nice win last week. Um, their quarterback probably had the best game of his season so far, and uh, it'll be interesting though to see how this Michigan defense, which has been so good this year, test Drew Aller, who who last week as I mentioned had 240 yards, four touchdowns, 20 touchdowns, and one interception on the year for him. So so. What are your big keys in this game? What do you think are the no, the most notable uh, headlines going into it? Shall we say? Um. So I think obviously Michigan's the favorite, despite all the scandals, just because of how dominant they've been. Um. The most points they've allowed this season is thirteen. As crazy as that sounds, seven out of uh their because they're nine or no seven out of those nine games, uh only allowed the other team to score single digit points and. The only thing is, though, this is their first ranked opponent this season. So, um, and then obviously they have Ohio State in a couple weeks. Um, I think the the big takeaway is how how affected they are by the scandal. I think that's that's it, 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 you know because there there's you know the statistics and everything like that. But this is like the one thing that's like um, 
the thing that's like looming in the back. You don't you don't know if it's gonna ma- make a difference or not. You don't know if you don't know if they're gonna uh, it's gonna be decided that Jim Harbaugh is gonna be suspended. You don't know if a player gets involved and now he can't play. You, like you you don't know what exactly is going to happen. So um, I think that f- whether or not the decision about that comes out by this Saturday and what that decision is is probably the um, the biggest key to this this game and who's gonna win. Yeah, I knew Michigan was good. I haven't watched a ton of them. I'll confess because I haven't really seen them as matchups that I really need to watch. And I think I've been proven right. I mean, I, I just I'm looking at their schedule right now, and these scores are out of hand. I mean, they've they've allowed get this six touchdowns in nine games this season. Six total touchdowns on scored on that defense, which is number one in all of NCAA for total defense, number nine against the rush, and number one against the pass. So it's gonna be a lot for Drew Aller and Penn State. I think I think the rushing offense is gonna need to help out Penn State a lot which is the number 42 rush offense with with Katron Allen and, and Nicholas Singleton back there. Um, but, hey, the Penn State defense isn't bad either. They're number two in total defense. They're the number one rush defense, so it'll be interesting to see how Blake Corn matches up against that, and they're number 13 against the pass. So it's going to be a defensive matchup, I think, in this one, and I, I, I always like that in the Big Ten when it's it's kind of these low-scoring, more more defense-oriented games. I think it, I think it's always interesting when that happens with, with whether it's Ohio State, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, obviously Michigan, Penn State. But I think I think it's going to be interesting how, how – these defenses match up, and I think it's gonna come down to which offense can can perform better. And I think it's it could come down to to Drew Aller versus JJ McCarthy, and and in that matchup, obviously JJ McCarthy has more experience, but but Aller's been good as of late, and he had a, obviously a great week last week. So if he can he can do something like that, I think Penn State has a real chance in this one. And obviously, they're also at home, so 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 I guess if there's any if there's no other thoughts, I mean, if you have anything else you want to talk about in this one, I think we can we can give some predictions for this one. Yeah, I mean that that was the other thing I was going to talk about. I mean, as far as this game goes, um, the th- the thing to note is really that that Penn State also like we have to we have to keep in mind that their only loss because they're eight and one. Michigan's nine and zero. Their only loss came against Ohio State, which is a team that Michigan hasn't played. Um, you know, combined between these two teams, they've played one ranked opponent, and that's the opponent. Um, so that's something to take into account. But just because of how dominant Michigan has been, whether or not Jim Harbaugh coaches whether or not whatever happens uh you know in terms of the scandal and whatever comes out of that or if nothing comes out of it i think michigan does win i think it's um the margin will be affected by if something you know happens from that i think that um because the main thing that's being discussed is that jim harbaugh would be the one that that's most likely um impacted because there's supposedly rules that state that you know if something happens under the coaching staff, the head coach is the one that takes the blame, even if it, even if he doesn't know about it. Um, so, my opinion is that if he coaches, I think Michigan wins by nine to twenty points, somewhere in that range. Um, just because of how dominant they've been, I don't think Penn State's going to be able to slow him down. Um, if he doesn't coach, I think then it becomes a very close game. I think Michigan still wins, but it's going to be by less than a touchdown. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting. I think. I think regardless, it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. I, I don't see I don't see many many touchdowns being scored in this one. I I, I see it somewhere in a in a twenty four seventeen twenty four ten type of way. Uh, I think I also think Michigan's going to win this one. I think I think they're just the better team in this matchup. I think they're the better defense, 
by it marginally because obviously Penn State has a good defense as well. But I think I think the Michigan offense is just better with JJ McCarthy, Blake Horn, the weapons they have receiver. I mean, I just I don't think this is Penn State's year as as much as that sucks to say for for any Penn State guys out there, but but I just don't think it's the year for Penn State. They're they're trying to get their their second attempt at getting their big upset this year. I I just don't think it's I don't think it's going to go their way either. But uh, but I think we could move along to to a game that's going to be going down at three thirty. I mean, we got number eighteen Utah versus number five Washington, and this is a game, this game that I'm very interested to watch. I mean, you got Washington, who it's like it's time to find out if they're for real. I mean, they they obviously have to win against Oregon, but they have a, they have a massive stretch coming up against Utah and Oregon State, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Utah's looking to turn things around. They they obviously lost in a blowout to Oregon two weeks ago, but last week winning fifty five to three over Arizona State. So so I'm interested to see. Uh, what do you think are some keys to this one? Who are, who are some key players in this one? I think. Uh... I think that first of all, let me say that I don't think this game is going to be close. Um, Interesting. Just because, of, like you mentioned, uh, recent games as far as, um, and it could because both teams have have played Oregon and they both played uh, USC. Washington beat USC by ten. Oregon, uh, excuse me, Utah only scraped by by two. Um, Washington beat Oregon and then Utah got destroyed by Oregon, thirty-five to six. Um, so just just based off of that alone, um, obviously the favorite coming into this game is Washington. And um, if you compare other uh, stats, um, Utah's QBs have a combined total of 1435 passing yards. Michael Penix Jr. has 3,201 passing yards alone by himself. Um, you know, Washington has a 69.4 completion percentage. And Utah only has 57%. Um, Washington average, averages 10.5 yards per pass. Utah has 6.5. Washington has uh, 27 touchdowns and 8 picks, 6 sacks on the season allowed. Utah has only 11 touchdowns. They threw 5 picks, and they allowed 16 sacks. So the statistics also favor Washington um, in that respect. Um, the, the only statistics where Utah is favored is they, they forced 8 fumbles to Washington's two this season and 29 sacks to uh, Washington's 13. So um, I think the the main key though overall to this game is if it, it's just it's it's pretty general. Um, and sorry, I don't have anything super specific for this. Um, but I would say it's just can Washington play like they have been, uh, or is Utah going to turn it up? Yeah, I think this is one of those interesting matchups where Utah's offense 92nd, not great. Washington's defense 99th also not great but on the defensive side Utah 10th total defense and obviously off Washington's offense is the fourth total offense so it's a it's a matchup of a bad offense against a bad defense and a good defense against a good offense so I I think that's always an interesting aspect but I think it still favors Washington who has the first passing offense like you mentioned in in uh college football averaging 355.7 pass yards per game which is wild and they have Dylan Johnson who had that monster game last week I I don't know if you saw his stats before and after that game but I, I had to do the math because I just thought it was hilarious so so before last week's game where he had uh, obviously 256 yards and four touchdowns, he came into the week with 430 yards at 53.8 yards per game, 
with six touchdowns after the game after the game he had 686 yards at 76.2 yards per game and 10 touchdowns so he he jumped his yards per game almost 20 yards in that in that 256 yard rushing game so so nothing nothing too crazy in the Washington ground game which is unfortunate for Utah because that's really where Utah's defense is so strong at is they have the fifth rush defense in the in the NCAA but that's not where that's not where Washington gets their gets their wins from. It's it's through the air with with Penix and Odunze and Polk. So I agree. I I think I think Washington is definitely favored for a reason. I think injuries have been tough on Utah this year, but they've been they've been a feisty team. Obviously, back to back Pac-12 championships. But I just think Washington is going to be way too much for them. I think Washington wins somewhere around like 42-24, something like that. I don't. I don't know if you disagree or agree. I think it sounds like you agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Washington's winning by at least 13 points, at yeah. least. Um, and it could be more. And like you said, Washington, um, they usually get more of their offense through the air. And they have they have about 2,000 more season passing yards than Utah. Just think about that. 2,000 yards. That's 20 <laughs> football fields. Like, that's the amount. that, And the season's not over. So, um, yeah, I, I think Washington gets by pretty smoothly. Yeah, Utah obviously running with Bryson Barnes, who who hasn't had too spectacular of a year, only 930 yards in the air, eight touchdowns, five picks. Also had Nate Johnson play a little bit of quarterback. He's got almost 500 yards, three passing touchdowns. I mean, they they they're dealing with some injuries, including their quarterback. So so it's obviously tough. But but I I think we're both kind of in agreement here that Washington will walk away with this one. We're gonna move along to our last game of the week. We got number nine. Ole Miss versus number two Georgia, first top ten opponent for Georgia this year. Um, second, uh, they're second in a three game stand against SEC teams in in the poll. So they got three ranked matchups back to back to back weeks. Um, Ole Miss is looking to avoid losing to both Bama and Georgia this year and kind of kind of sink any hopes they have at, at any dream of a playoff or anything like that. Um, but yeah, who 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 do you think is is gonna walk away with this? What are what are some points you think are important in this one? Because I I know I got a couple that I think are a little interesting, but but I'm interested to hear what you think about this one. Yeah, I think this out of the three games that we're previewing is the most of a the most toss up of the game. I think um, Georgia's currently coming in with a 26 game win streak, which is quite incredible. Yeah, but they do have good and bad days, which is something that needs to be pointed out. Um, they beat Missouri by only nine, Auburn by seven, so. Obviously, they're not they're not invincible. They've been winning, but they're not invincible because these, there's teams that have gotten pretty close to to being them. And I think Ole Miss is probably the best team that they've played so far this season. Um, I think the uh, the big key to this one is who uh, which which version of Georgia shows up. Is it the version that's beating teams by less than you know ten points, or is it the team that's completely blowing out the other teams to smithereens? I think. That that's going to be the difference, um, and I think it's it's mostly one or the other. We'll we'll have to see which Georgia comes out. I think if the good Georgia comes out, they're gonna win. You know, pretty smoothly. I think if the bad Georgia comes out, Ole Miss is gonna sneak up and take it. Um, you know, Ole Miss also it should be pointed out that they barely scraped by against Texas A and M last week. Um, but you know, they did they did beat LSU earlier in the season. Um, They've had you know a solid a solid record this season, so um, they're definitely very capable. If uh, Georgia doesn't show up like the team that you know we expect them to be, like a number one, number two team, if they don't show up like that, Ole Miss is going to win. Yeah, I think this is a matchup of two two really high powered offense. Obviously, Ole Miss twelve, 
Georgia six. But I think I think the deferring factor in this one is that is that the defense of Georgia is just significantly better than the defense of Ole Miss. I mean, they they their their weak point is against the pass, which is gonna be interesting going against Jackson Dart and this and this Ole Miss offensive pass attack with Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, and Dayton Day or Dayton Wade. Sorry, but I think Carson Beck has had a great year, and and they've also had a great ground game with Edwards and. It hurts that you don't have Brock Bowers, but you're Georgia at the end of the day. You're you're back to back national champions. You're one of the most dominant programs in college football. I think their defense is, is much better than Ole Miss's, and I think their offense is also, believe it or not, better than Ole Miss's. So I think I think Georgia's gonna come out with this one. And I think I I think they're gonna do it pretty handily. I think they're at home or is this at Ole Miss or at Georgia? I I can't remember. Um, let me check. Um I'm actually not sure. About that'll that. affect how much Georgia wins by Georgia's at home. Oh, so then I think Georgia wins by two to three scores. I don't think this is going to be a very close game. I think they're they're going to show everyone why they're back to back national champions. Wow, I I didn't expect the, uh, expect you to say that they went by two to three scores. Do you really think that home field advantage is that much of a difference? Yes, but it also just kind of gave me a reason to go <laughs> two to three scores and get wild. But I think I think that Kirby Smart's a great coach. I think this is going to be a game where. Where everybody around the everybody around the college football playoff who's kind of thinking maybe it's not Georgia's year, it's gonna be a little stunned, and I think Georgia's gonna get number one back this week. Okay, I mean that that that's a fair reason. Um, I would like to just point out one more thing, which is that the stats I will say does fa- uh, the stats do favor Georgia. Um, you know, Ole Miss, uh, they they're averaging seven point three penalties per game for an average of sixty two point six yards a game, and for road games, it's eight penalties a game. So, um, that that's you know not good if you're if you're facing Georgia, which is you know arguably the top team, uh, depending on who you ask in college football. Um, and like you said, Georgia is allowing an average of about fifteen point four points a game, and Ole Miss is averaging almost twenty three. So. Um, you do have the numbers to back you up, I will say, but to me, it's just, I don't know if Georgia is going to be the team that, you know, that we know them to be the championship team from, from, from before. So, um, I guess we'll see this Saturday. Who you got? If I have to pick one, I'm going to say Georgia, right? Because I, I would, I would put my money more, I would lean towards putting my money on the good Georgia team showing up, especially with the statistics. But I'm not ruling out Ole Miss winning. Is all I'm saying. I so agree. It's it's not it's not a bet that I would make confidently. Fair enough. Well, well, that I think just about wraps it up for us. I think I think we got a lot of good talk in. We we obviously recapped some games last week. Talked some college football playoff. Previewed Michigan, Penn State. Previewed Utah, Washington. Previewed Ole Miss, Georgia to wrap it up. Make sure and check those games out this weekend. You know who we have in those games. So we'll have to see how it shapes up on the field. I'm Eric Rhodes. Once again, I'm joined by Will Jing. This has been College Gridiron, a production of WFEV Sports.